Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. A football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Lock and deal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What up, Duval? Welcome to the 65th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. We got a full show here today. All of our hosts are here. I'm Jordan DeLugo. I'm joined by Scott Klein and Hunter Evans, as always. Happy to have the whole crew here. Are we happy to all be here? Yeah, I feel like there's a good energy today. Everyone came in firing on all cylinders. I uh, spent some time at Bold City Brewery earlier. I'm not going to say what that means, but I did. Make your own interpretation. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. This is the 65th episode, like I said. We've got a lot to get into. The Jaguars have been busy this week making some... Expected and unexpected moves. Uh, we've learned some more information about some of the contracts they signed with some of the free agents last week. Um, a lot of the original numbers weren't really accurate that came out. So we've got that to talk about. We've got um, some Jaguars longtime players that have been cut by the team to talk about. We've got a new tight end since last week. Austin Safarian Jenkins. We're going to talk about what is going to happen next with the Jaguars, what we think will happen, and what is the top priority in the draft, who are some players we're looking at in the first couple of rounds, uh, and some positions that we think the Jaguars should address now that the main part of free agency is over. So, a lot to get into. This show, as is every episode, presented by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery, or you can go check them out in person. 
Roselle Street in Riverside, East Bay Street downtown. Downtown, they've now got a food menu that <laughs> is prepared by their next door neighbors, Calvert Chop House. Ooh. I had the BLTE today. Bacon, lettuce, tomato, egg is like the biggest BLT I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Probably like eight pieces of bacon on it. Oh. I think I finished half of it. And it also comes with fries. Oh, it's like I couldn't eat half of those either. So it where's, was it was good. Where's the Highly recommend. I uh, gave it to my bartender. Oh, terrible. <laughs> oh, he's the man. No. Brad, if you're out there listening, <laughs> you're the man. Um, what a job. What a job. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, go check them out. Bold City Brewery, boldcitybrewery.com. Um, you can follow Scott Klein at scottkline1. Follow Hunter at CoachH underscore Evans. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. And um, let's just go ahead and get into it. Last week, after the podcast, the Jaguars signed Austin Severian Jenkins. And uh, it's two years, but it's really only one year. But it's a two-year deal, average of $5 million a year. What do we think about this deal? I, I like it. I mean, he's former, I believe he was a first-round pick by Tampa Bay. Yep. Um, has admittedly had issues with alcohol. Yeah, big off-the-field off um, issues at times. But I think there's been some stories about him kind of yeah, I mean, it's, that. it's on his Twitter. I mean, he's very open and honest about it. He's been sober for over a year now. Right. Um, it's a guy who's got, who's a borderline elite athlete at the position. I don't uh, think that's a stretch. What do you think <clears throat> about that, honey? Then what? Being an elite athlete? Yeah, I mean. I th- for the tight end. I would say for yeah. the tight end, he's probably up there in the top, like, 2 or 3% of guys in the NFL. Um he he really does kind of take that role of a receiving tight end. So that's he's a pretty freak athlete. I mean, you saw the catch he made last year that got taken, you know, called back for a touchdown yeah. against the Patriots. But he did some work <clears throat> against the Jags. Yeah. yeah, he did. I mean, he's fifty a, catches last season. I mean, if if he can go, and I was listening to I think somebody on Ten Ten says, and it's so true because if he can go forty catches for. 700 yards, 600 yards, and like eight touchdowns. I mean, that would That's, be massive. Yeah. And last year, he did only get 10 yards a catch. So, but his impact, I think, no, impact would be, could be huge, yeah. his stats won't necessarily show what he really means to that offense because of what they want to do open up the middle of the field. Exactly. And he's going to, I really do think him and Niles Paul can take over that big inside slot that we lost with Hearns. So, now, do you think those two guys are no. the end no. of the Jaguars' <laughs> tight end position no. this season? I would draft I would draft Gusecki, or however we say it, from Penn, from State. Penn State. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, if y'all haven't seen this kid, Mike Gusecki, it's like six foot six or, or taller, maybe, <laughs> but over 40-inch vertical, I think like a 4'5", 40. One of the craziest combines right. of all time. Right, it's Um I think there's certainly more polished tight ends out there, but that guy is a freak. Yeah. Anybody who takes him, you potentially have the best athlete. A one a top one percent athlete, not at the tight end position, but at any position in the yeah. NFL. I don't know why you wouldn't take him, so I don't think they're done. I don't know why they would be done. 
And I think them bringing Luke Wilson in for a meeting. He uh, he did. Do what? He got signed by the Lions, I believe. But but he still shows the they fact, had interest yeah, though. After yeah. they would sign him and then bring him in and then letting go of Mercedes Lewis, obviously they're constantly trying to shift the puzzle pieces. Like there is no perfect fit, and that's obvious with how they've handled everything. They are going to work to improve this team as much as they need to. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to stop until they're bringing a Lombardi Trophy home. And that's you. what it looks like. I mean, it's hard to argue with it. <laughs> and you look, I mean, you look at any given game, they're going to throw out three, maybe even four tight ends, not on the same field, not all on the field at the same time, but just rotating in and out. I yeah. mean, they want to pound the rock and, they did that couple, last year. Yeah. I mean, you saw Koyak, O'Shaughnessy, Lewis. Mm-hmm. So it, you you gotta have more than two, and they do still have Koyak. Um, At this point, yeah. I think they've kind of moved on from the idea that he could potentially be yeah a guy. real guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think legitimately the tight end was will look with Austin, uh, Severian Jenkins, uh, Koyak. I think Niles Paul will be competing for that two or three, more of a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. And I think O'Shaughnessy could be still competing for a special teams. Yeah. Um, but of the four right now, I, I think two guaranteed will be here. One might be here. And then I think they'll add another one. So I think they'll probably have four true tight ends on the, the roster. Um, and then five if you include the fullbacks. But Which, you know, that's what they want to be on offense. So. Yeah, can't blame them. It worked last year. I mean, even though the offense was not consistent at times down the stretch, still six most yards in the league. Mm-hmm. Got to respect that. And, and they're still going to be trying to improve it, obviously. Yeah, and I think the the one thing that was a glaring issue last year on offense was a, a threat over the middle at tight end. I mean, Mercedes Lewis, as great as he is and as much as he did for the franchise over the past, what, 12 years, he wasn't an over-the-middle-of-the-field th- kind of threat. No. And I think that will tremendously improve Blake Bortles' game. It improves any quarterback's game. I mean, look what Tom Brady does with Gronk when he's in the game compared to when he's not. Right. It's a different, no matter who, it's a different game when you have a, a tight end that's a mismatch. That's why you see them making crazy contracts. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what you do miss out on bringing guys like this and letting go of a veteran like Mercedes Lewis is the blocking. Mercedes Lewis is... Yeah, one of the, if not the best blocking. And Safarian tight end. Jenkins is clearly just a move tight end. Yeah. He's not going to be. No, he's he not, shouldn't be asked to block. I wouldn't say he often. should be asked. He should not be asked to be Mercedes Lewis. No, no. Like he, then you're you're wasting his talent. I mean, he has to be in line. He has to block because he, you can't just move. The coaching staff has to know they can't try to use him the way the they try previous to, coaching yeah. staff tried Julius to use Thomas. Julius Thomas. Yes. They cannot try to do that, or it'll be a bust. No, I think I think. With him, you understand what you're getting, but I mean, maybe it shows us what they're possibly going to as an offense. Like, obviously, a downhill running team with the signing of Norwell, but they want to be maybe a little more open, yeah. maybe not load the box up. With a guy like Safarian Jenkins, you have to respect him wherever he is. Yeah. Um, it's so- like putting a wide receiver on the field. Without putting a wire receiver on the field. Yeah, exactly. And it, it forces teams to play a lot more nickel because mm-hmm. now they're going to have to get an extra body that can hopefully run with a tight end. And it forces them not to worry about the box as much because they have to worry about, even if they're an 11 personnel or a, a 21 person, or like, uh, yeah, 21 personnel, sorry. 
they're going to have to respect that extra receiver. There's always three receivers on the field, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's tough. I mean, it's a it's a mismatch against a nickel because he's too big. It's a mismatch against a linebacker and a safety because he's too fast or too big. So yeah. it, it's tough. I think the Jaguars honestly got really lucky with Austin Safari and Jenkins because you look at the talent, it's clearly there. Obviously, there was the off-field issues, but it seems like he's past that. And But maybe some teams still have like the hesitation. If he truly is past all of his issues, this is a guy that could be just huge for this offense. Mm-hmm. Like He could completely transform the dynamic, like you said, of what defenses have to do against this offense. Yeah, it, it completely... A good tight end at any level of football changes the field. It, it, I think it's the one position on the field that truly changes the game. Tight end and maybe a, an elite, elite pass rusher like a Von Miller. You ha- it's the one position where you cannot do anything. You have to force yourself to focus on that guy. Because no matter where they go, they're a mismatch. You can put Von Miller on the best tackle right or left in the league. He's going to be... Doesn't matter. Yeah. He's going to make a play. So you're I think what you meant him. to say was unique in Gakwe, though. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I meant. But, I mean, seriously, that level of talent, you have to respect it. you got to double them somehow. And then, I mean, look back when we were talking about Gronk. you got to mm-hmm. bracket him the entire game. And, and hope he just doesn't make a play. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what you get with a good tight end. And if you can get semi-elite production out of Austin Severian Jenkins, you know, I think there's... You probably win one or two more games next last year if you have an elite tight end. Or yeah. up there at the elite tight end. Yeah, level. and we're not trying to suggest <laughs> that at this point he is elite, no. but there's potential for elite production from mm-hmm. him. And tight end position. This is, I think elite is a... It depends on how you use it. Like to me, elite is probably the top ten or twelve guys in the league. If you can be that guy, you're an elite player because you're the top one third of the highest profession in the world. Yeah. At that, so that to me makes you elite. Like if you think about the tight ends right now that are elite, you got what Gronk, probably Travis Kelsey, um, Ertz when he's healthy, Ertz when he's healthy. I mean, maybe what uh, Antonio Gates when he was uh, healthy. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore, but. Hunter Henry's pretty damn good. Hunter right Henry. Yeah. Those kind of guys. Like, there's guys that pop in your head. Like, those dudes are um, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, Rudolph. From the Vikings. Yep. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's Delaney why... Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker. And I think that's why a guy like O.J. Howard went so high last year and why you're seeing the Gusecki, Gusecki. Speaking of O.J. Howard, though, I cannot believe the Buccaneers gave... Um, <clears throat> oh, I, Cameron Brake <laughs> such a big deal. After. Yeah. I mean, I love Cameron Brake, but... That's a lot of investment in that position. Six years? That's I like a, it. That's a, long, that's a long time. I like it because I really like both of those players. But It's just, I mean, to sum it up and, you know, to make a long answer longer, I guess, tight ends is such an important position. The Jaguars see the necessity in a tight end for Blake and I think for the run offense, and they went out and got their guy. And yeah. if they're comfortable <laughs> with it, as a fan, you kind of almost have to be comfortable because that's what they're there for. Like. Let them do it and hope to God they're right. And you know he has the talent, so. Yeah, I mean, he showed. So, earlier this morning, we found out that the Jaguars were up to some more cap wizardry, as I like to call it. They redid Telvin Smith's bonus. He had a roster bonus coming, converted it to a signing bonus, which effectively saved the team $6 million in cap space this season. 
it's they're just making money just up here. And it's nowhere. just crazy. I love to see it. It's, they are they are they will be I think it will hit next year's cap for I think believe two million. Right, but but even then you still have four million dollars that if at worst you can roll over to next year. Right. They're maybe looking at having rollover cap space. Also just some flexibility this off season, the rest of the off season. Yeah, yeah leaving it as a roster bonus, you get nothing out of it. Yeah. This way you are plus four million dollars. Yeah. That's a big deal. Well, and That's you, a good football player. <laughs> you got Yannick, you got Jalen. I mean, there's yeah. guys around the corner that are going to need to get paid. Yeah, they're getting ready. So you can tell they're definitely looking ahead at that stuff. But, you know, good for Talon. Like, And a couple other moves came in yesterday um, that were also, I don't know if they were cap wizardry, but they were certainly cap moves. <clears throat> Uh, the Jaguars cut Alan Hearns, saving $7 million this year, $8 million next year. And also cut Mercedes Lewis, who was the longest tenured Jaguar by far. Man, Had man. been on the team since 2006. I mean, for people that try to like compare that to other players, he was drafted the same year as Maurice Drew. Yeah, that's three jersey changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that guy has been here forever. But that saved the Jaguars $3.5 million. So you're looking at Hearns, seven million, Mercedes Lewis, three point five, Telvin Smith, six. They saved over sixteen and a half million dollars this week. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think the, our cap room now went from five to about twenty-two. Yeah, it's got to be right around twenty. So uh, <sighs> it's great for the Jags. I mean, John Edzik, Dave Caldwell, the rest of the guys in the front office. You got to give them props, big props, because. <laughs> They are masters of contracts. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a team in the league that you could definitively say right now has better people in their front office at handling contracts. They're moneyballing the shit out of this right now. And like, and, and and Tony Khan even is, has to give me yeah, analytics. But yeah, yep. he is able to. I mean, they really are moneyballing this right now. They're they're trying to find out. The little things just to tweak. They're like going in and like twisting one knob and like, oh, there's $6 million. Thanks. Yep. Like, it's amazing how they're able to find money. They're getting blood from a rock and it's beautiful to watch. I mean, if they wanted to, they could go out and trade for an elite player at a position that they think they're lacking at. After two straight years, and even this year is turning into a, a spending spree where they just spend boatloads of cash, bringing in huge free agents. It's. It's remarkable. I mean, yeah, they're just doing a crazy. And you mentioned it earlier, Andrew Norwell, a base salary of two million dollars, yeah, and the yeah. sa- and the signing bonus just stretched across his entire contract. Unreal. It's bananas. I mean, <laughs> I mean, everybody when all this was going down last week, when all the big signings were happening it's at the very beginning, where's it coming? People were like, where is this money coming from? Norwell, two yeah. million dollar base salary. Yeah. You got the best. <laughs> Yeah, for nothing. The best guard in the free agent market, and an all-pro guard last season. $2 million base salary this year. With a $3 million signing bonus. So, five. Well, let's call it five. Amazing. It's Even then, it's a deal. It's amazing. Okay, a deal in quotes, because yeah. over the length of contract, he gets what he gets. But... But, it, right, they, they're able to <laughs> have these big deals. I mean, they've signed Malik Jackson... Yeah. Uh, Tashawn Gibson, Barry Church, uh, Calais Campbell, Andrew Norwell, AJ Andrew Boye. Norwell, AJ Boye. They got Dar- Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius yeah. traded for, took on his contract. 
They have some insane looking contracts. Yeah. Like from an outside perspective, some of these contracts you're like, how are the Jaguars doing this? And some people out there don't realize that the Jaguars are masterfully handling the cap and they're like criticizing the Jaguars. Oh, oh, another terrible cap decision by the Jaguars. They're they're bankrupting their future for now. It's like, okay. Yeah, every sure. contract that you get out of after two years. Look at look at Alan Hurst. Some of them after one year. After two, it was a forty million dollar contract. After two years, fifteen million dollars just was gone. It's fantastic, really. Now, I do think Alan Hearns and Mercedes Lewis deserve a little <coughs> bit of yeah. talk on the show about just like what they mean. To the Jaguars, you know, as a whole. Mercedes obviously was around a lot longer. Yeah. That one hurt. Oh, cool. That one was... I didn't see it coming. And he's one of the best pros the Jaguars have had. Yeah. He's one of the best people the Jaguars have had in terms of just being a loyal guy. Yeah. Not really trying to test free agency or anything like that. And he just stayed committed, you know, through Jack Del Rio, through mm-hmm. Gus Bradley... And to Doug Marone. And Mike Malarkey. <laughs> what? Who's that? <laughs> and Mike Malarkey, yes. The black hole of the season. Yes. Two and 14. Awful. Awful. Y'all remember, we actually thought the Jaguars might go 0-16 that year. I was so scared. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. So, Mercedes Lewis. How do you remember Mercedes? The very first thing I think of is... The play against the Colts in Indy with the just the one-handed just Spider-Man grab. Just re- Seriously, Jesus. that's what you remember? It's it's what sticks out in my mind because I've watched the highlight like 50 million how, times. I'm just trying to find out how that's the one thing you, that sticks out in your mind where you make a tweet that gets ridiculous yeah, okay. tweets and you don't remember that. <laughs> well, I do remember that. but He is the only reason you have Twitter fame right now. <laughs> what was that video? Yet? I can't even remember. It was him putting a piss out of J.J. Watt. Yeah. <laughs> that and, was a great uh, Andrew Norwell, he also handled J.J. Yeah. Watt when they went up against each other, so that's nice. But, eh, I mean, his, his crazy game in London. Oh, yeah. Three touchdowns against the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, just masterful, just Blocking people into the dirt. It's just always sticking around and being just a professional. Yeah. Coming in and doing your job. And then just genuinely liking being here. Yeah. Sucks for him. He's pretty pissed off about the situation. And we'll get into the logistics of when these guys were cut after we talk about what they really meant to the Jaguars. What are you going to remember from Lewis the most? Just, I mean, the same thing. Just the fact that... He was the blue-collar player on a blue-collar team. I mean, for so long, he had to just sit and grin and bear it and deal with quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. And you know, and I think the one thing that sticks out is his article in the, the Players Journal or yeah. Players Tribune. Players Tribune. Yeah. yeah. How you could genuinely feel like he liked being here and how he embraced the city. Um, I just think he was so big about what Jacksonville, what the Jaguars have meant to the city. He, he kind of was a crossover mentality guy from the, the Marcus Strouds and the John Hendersons. Um, so I, it does suck to see him go because of that. I feel like he's, he's one of those guys that Jacksonville should greatly, greatly appreciate him for his time here. So that sucks. But I mean, I'll appreciate the dude forever. I will. But for people talking about him being like, Pride of the Jaguars, 
I don't no. see it. No, he no. was a good, not great player. And, you know, yeah, he's probably the best tight end the Jaguars have ever had, but their history of tight ends ain't too sexy. So. What, Kyle Brady is the one behind him? Yeah, I mean... I love him. I'll remember him fondly, but I will not remember him as, like, some star. Yeah. People need to have, like, a realistic yeah. vision of what he actually was. He was a pretty good player. He was a very good blocker and, at times, a decent receiver. I yeah. think it's just that he's the <clears throat> one link to the team that we grew up. No with. doubt. And it's... it's And that's why people kind of should remember him fondly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alan Hearns wasn't around as long, but he was around for four seasons. Uh, two seasons, his first two seasons, were just lightning in a bottle. He was fantastic. I mean, his rookie year, he's an undrafted free agent out of Miami after being their all-time leading receiver. Catches six touchdown passes, close to or around 700, 800 yards. And then he follows it up with a sophomore season where he gets over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. <clears throat> Scores a touchdown in seven straight games. I mean, this is a guy who, it looked like his star was as bright as it could be. Especially for an undrafted rookie, or undrafted player. And then, after he got his contract after his first two seasons, uh, injuries and inconsistent play kind of plagued him. And so, his last two seasons were very unremarkable. He's uh, reportedly visiting with the Jets, Cowboys, Texans. What do we remember about Alan Hearns? How are we going to remember him? I think, personally, for me, his story obviously isn't yet written. Like, Mercedes Lewis's story is written. There might be a couple more chapters for yeah. him, but maybe not. Alan Hearns, I mean, we could remember this as a cut that... Comes back to bite us? Yeah, yeah. it could be remembered that way. If this is a guy that, for the next five seasons, flirts with 800 to 1,000 yards and five to seven touchdowns, this guy he could probably use. Yeah. But I'm not saying it was a bad decision. I'm just saying his story has is yeah. a lot left to be written. I'll remember the the play against the Chargers this oh, year. Oh, getting off yeah. the field. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not a play you see a guy make a lot. I Gutsy. Mean, yeah, that I, really is. I will remember Alan Hearns as being the dude who is just the most unwavering, just going across the middle, just yeah. not giving a damn about getting hit. Yeah, trying to make a catch. Yeah, and he's not—he's yeah. not fastest. He's not the biggest, tallest, strongest. But he made some incredible freaking plays. The play where it looked like uh, a safety and a cornerback against the Colts were oh, yeah. going to converge on the ball. Somehow it sneaks past both of them. Alan Hearns catches it and races down the sideline. I mean, you've got the catch against the Bills in London, in London. Yeah. where Bortles is on the run, throws yeah. a dart to <clears throat> Hearns, and Hearns catches it diving like. Fully parallel to the ground, uh, sliding into the end zone. That helped win that game. Uh, there's His, so many the very first games. game he ever played in against the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. just going nuts. Went off in the first. Who was it? Kerry Williams that he was just torching. Yeah. I think. God, call him, and then he just started talking crap after the game. So you got to remember both of these guys pretty fondly. It sucks that Hearns could end up on the Texans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about playing against. Alan Hearns and Aaron Colvin two times a year. I'll take our corners. I will too, and I'll take our receivers. I think Dante yeah. Moncrief's better than Alan Hearns. Do you? You guys? That uh, that's where I don't know because I think with the money, that's tough. That's tough. It's two point six million dollar difference this year. Yeah, it's, I don't, and I also don't. I don't know. 
It's. I'm gonna say he. I, I will say Dante Moncrief has the potential to be better than Alan Hearns. Just, just his, on, his ceiling's a lot higher. Athletic ability alone. Yeah. But I think Alan Hearns' floor and what he is on a daily basis, for in their career so far, is better. Alan Hearns doesn't Mark. scare a defense. Dante <clears throat> no, Moncrief does. Yeah. That's that's why I say his ceiling's a lot higher. Yeah. But I think on Alan Hearns' bad day. Moncrief's not as good. Like, on his bad day. Right. Their bad days are... Both of their bad days, Hearns is probably better, but, <laughs> yeah, but Moncrief's best day, way better than Hearns' best well, day. Well, Moncrief showed it. Like, on his best days, he is unguardable. Yeah. I mean, when T.Y. Hill... He's done Hill, work against the Jacks. When T.Y. Hillens had issues up there with, you know, being healthy, Dante Moncrief was pretty sporty. He yeah. just hasn't had a quarterback. And he's also kind of had a similar issue to, like, the last two years, injuries and such have well, plagued him a bit. No Andrew Luck. I mean, he's been playing with whoever they decide to throw out. Yeah. So, I, I don't know if right now he's better, but his ceiling and I think his potential for what he can do is better. He does seem very self-motivated. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, one thing, I, I do have a question before we... People keep saying this whole thing about Dante Moncrief, like, oh, well, why would you sign him? Because he's, I guess, a downfield threat. Like, oh, we already have downfield threats with Keelan Cole. Do people understand that Keelan Cole as a downfield threat is not the same as a Dante Moncrief downfield threat? Well, if they don't understand, why don't you explain it? Well, I mean, okay, so Keelan Cole isn't a big man. He's fast as hell. There's no doubt about that. Like, yeah, he can stretch a field. But when you can have a big body, I mean, Dante Moncrief's about Allen Robinson size. Yeah, I think he's a little bit shorter, but in terms of build, but like six right two ish, yeah. six three ish, two ten, two fifteen ish, and runs like the way I mean, run four three, four four, something like that. Right. That running down the field is a mismatch because a corner isn't going to be that big. Keelan Cole can get covered by a corner or a safety because of a size matchup, but a Dante Moncrief flying down the field, same thing with like an Allen Robinson. Like, would you say Allen Robinson and Keelan Cole are the same downfield threat? No, I wouldn't say Moncrief and Robinson are either, though. No, but I'd say they're, they're more similar than a Keelan Cole and Dante Moncrief. Like, that might be fair. I just think Moncrief's speed and Robinson's speed aren't comparable. No, yeah, but Robinson's but ball skills and Moncrief's ball skills might not be comparable either. I'm talking about mainly the size issue. Yeah. Like, if I'm building an offense and I need a downfield threat, I'm not always going to take a small, fast guy because they're not going to win the 50-50 balls. Yeah. They might Moncrief's more of a prototype type guy. Yeah, when he, healthy he looks like what it. you would imagine an X receiver looking like. Yeah, and that's what I don't think people are understanding. Like that big body is huge, especially in the red zone. Keelan Cole in a red zone threat? No, <laughs> not really. I mean, unless you get him on a crossing route. Or he something. he's just a field stretcher. Oh, that's not that's probably rude to say, but he he is a field stretcher who has other abilities. But like when yeah. you can fly past a corner, that's different than. Moncrief, who can fly past a corner and then body a corner and body a safety and make right. the fifty-fifty balls. Right, and he's shown the ability to make moves and break tackles yeah. after you know bringing bringing in the ball. I mean, Keelan Cole, he might make a move on you, but he's certainly not going to stiff arm you to the ground. I've seen Moncrief do that to multiple yeah. DBs. So. so I just I just didn't know if people are on that same page. Yeah. So yeah, that's a pretty good explanation, I think. Um, uh, so, moving on from Moncrief, who got $9.6 million fully guaranteed. We found out later in the week, last week, too, that uh, Marquise Lee was originally reported to get almost $10 million a year. That's really $8.5 million. So, my question is, would you rather have 
Marquise Lee, and Dante Moncrief this season for about $20 million, or Allen Robinson for sixteen point two. It's wow. That's a that's a pretty loaded question. <laughs> um, if, they absolutely if, had the opportunity to franchise tag him. If you have 2015 Allen Robinson, who says no to that? But that was, I mean, 2018. That was over two years ago. Yeah. So, I think looking at it the way the front office did, you have Moncrief for one year, who you think could potentially be your kind of number one kind of guy um, with a, on a prove-it deal. Yeah. You're not locked in for four or five years hoping that the guy will return to what he once was. Right, and you wouldn't have been with Robinson either yeah. if you do the franchise tag. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a savings as far as comparing it to the franchise tag. It's much safer than betting the house on... Well, yeah. Robinson. Well, and you're getting two players instead of one. Yeah. Now, are do those two players' abilities add up to what Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson could produce? And it might not even be know. about production as much as it is about like defenses having to respect you. Yeah. And and then to that, does point, a defense have to respect a team more with Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief or with Allen Robinson? Does a defense? Yeah. Okay. Let's just say. If you're a defensive coordinator, do you game plan as much as for Allen Robinson as you do for Dante Moncrief? Yeah. You do? Hunter, what do you think? What's the question? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you're a defensive coordinator, do you game plan as much for Allen Robinson <clears throat> as you do oh, I'm sorry. for Dante Moncrief? Uh, you would probably game plan for Allen Robinson more, I would say. I'm, that's my question. Maybe. I mean, I don't... My thought here is, like... Moncrief's got the size and the speed. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he would necessarily. He might more. He might scare some defensive coordinators more than Allen. Robinson. Okay, I'm a bit I'm because a, I'm just gonna go ahead and say like, when Allen Robinson was on the field, teams didn't get scared of stacking the box. It's not like he was out there and teams were like, oh, we can't stack the box now. I would say True. if you just go at the base, the top layer of the question of would you rather have Robinson for four about. Three to four million dollars less than the two, I'd probably say yes, just because you know what you got with Allen Robinson, what you think you know what you got. If you look a little deeper into things that have developed after Robinson left and comments from Caldwell, I'd say no, because it didn't seem like Robinson was really willing to be mm-hmm. on the same page as them. He wasn't even, apparently they couldn't even really get many talks with his representation. I get that, but you know, you do the franchise tag and they don't have a choice. I know, yes, but at the same time, like, do you want to force a guy to be here? That I, I'm I mean, not saying and, and make him potentially win yeah. a Super Bowl. Oh no, well, I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying I'm just posing the question. I mean, if you if you walked if you walk, I'm gonna say no. I'd rather have Moncrief and Lee. Because I think if you walked Allen Robinson out on a field and you walked Moncrief and Lee on the same field and you said pick one of these options to be on your team right now, you're going to go with the other guy, even if it costs a little bit more. Because you have two people that are potential threats. You have uh, Marquise Lee that has showed ridiculous flashes. Yeah, yeah. he's had some lulls. I mean, but... he's had some amazing plays. Yeah. People forget because they just want to talk about the drops last year. But that man has made some ridiculous plays. Yeah. yeah, and I think 
I, I think Marquise Lee could be really, really, really good. And I, I think people that ignore that are ridiculous. If you want to look at a couple drops here and there and say he's trash. Like, right, that was more than a couple. Yeah, and I'll give people, I mean, he led the NFL in drops last year. That's fine. But if you want to say he's trash and he shouldn't have a job and all that crap, like a lot of people do, like, you're ridiculous. I think Marquise Lee, I think they like him down at the stadium. Something about him, I don't know what it is, but they like him in the building. They like him is, what they want. Is Marquise Lee worth two-thirds of Allen Robinson? Yes. Is Moncrief? Yes. There, there you go. I, people, <laughs> you I get mean, more like, value. People forget how bad Allen Robinson was in 2016. Yeah, he was not he consistent. He wasn't good. He had good games, but he wasn't consistent. And, um, I mean... He, had, okay. he didn't make defenses. He, he didn't no, make defenses respect him. Not only that, but people are also forgetting that in 2015, what was the record? Two and 14, three and 13. Yeah, and a lot of it was garbage time. Was, I mean, gar- I mean, you can't overlook it. If you're going to look at Blake Bortles and say Blake Bortles only had a good 15 because of garbage time, well then you got to look at a receiver. You have to say getting, the same thing about exactly. Allen Hurts and Allen Robinson. He's playing against the same garbage time players. He's playing against the you know getting the same garbage time catches. It's very. I, it's very, it's like an ultimate double standard in that situation. Like, oh, Allen Robinson was a king in 2015, but Blake Bortles, it was just garbage. Yeah. You were just playing against ducks the whole time when you got those yards. Well, that's not fair because they're playing against the same ducks the whole time. So Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I'm t- I would take Lee and Moncrief. I think the potential f- for what they can do is better than what Robinson would have given us. And I think it's definitely easy to argue either way, though. No, I do too. And I feel like I completely agree with that. I feel like a lot of people, including myself, overvalue what they want or feel like they need out of a number one wide receiver. I don't necessarily think that they feel like they need to have a guy who can go out and dominate because what do they want to do at the end of the day? They want to, they run, want the ball, to yeah. run the ball and be able to take advantage and play action. And 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 you you have guys that can't, are capable of doing that. Yeah. You obviously want to get a little bit better. You don't want to sit on your rest on your laurels and just go in there with the same group last year that was a bit underwhelming, although far exceeded what they were expected to do. But on a grand scheme of things, you would like to have a little bit more. I mean, when they try out on the field next year, they could walk out with. Austin Safarian Jenkins, Dante Moncrief, Marquise Lee, and D.D. Westbrook with Leonard Fournette running the ball. And that is not an easy thing for a defense to have to worry about. Right, whereas almost every snap after the first drive of the season last year, you're worrying, I mean, for the first half of the season, all you've got is Keelan Cole, Alan Hearns, yeah. and Marquise Lee. Yeah. I mean, I, I think those guys sound better than what they had rolling out there last year. I agree. And if you do franchise tag or sign Allen Robinson, you're cutting Lee, most likely. You're, you're not getting Moncrief. You're, you're not getting Moncrief, and you're still probably cutting Hearns. Yeah. And I, I, and do, I do feel like... Then you trot out with Allen Robinson, D.D. Westbrook, and Keelan Cole. And possibly might not get the Austin Safarian Jenkins signing. Right. Depending on how things go. So then you're having to draft a draft a receiver, probably. Yeah. Because you have no depth. Now, I want to go ahead and get into our pop top, and after that, don't let me forget, I want to talk about the logistics of the cutting of Lewis, Hearns, and um, yeah, just talk about how that all went down, because there's a lot of fans that are unhappy about it. 
Lewis and Hearns themselves have come out and said they're pretty unhappy about the way it all went down. Let's talk about that as soon as we get done with our Pop Top segment, presented by Bolt City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jack Podcast. Find them online at boltcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bolt City Brewery. We all ready to start pouring? All right, let's chug our beers here real quick. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm good. All right. Today, we have the Wee Heavy Double Scotch Ale from Bold City Brewery. 8.1% alcohol by volume. It's a Scottish-style strong ale with heavy toffee and caramel flavors. Malt forward, brown in color. How do you guys pronounce caramel? Caramel. Caramel? Because I'm normal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I, even know. I don't know. Now that you're putting me on the spot, I'm like, how do I pronounce it? <laughs> I had this argument caramel? with someone the caramel. other day, and I was like, I really don't know. Well, what are the caramel. options? What are caramel and caramel? Yeah. yeah caramel. My gut reaction would be caramel. Melissa, Melissa says uh, caramel or something. Like, she mixes it, oh, and gosh. it's weird, and it bothers me. So, uh, I just had to bring that up. But caramel. All right. It's like pecan or pecan. It's pecan. Because yeah, we're not animals. No, we're not. Tomato, <laughs> tomato. No, no one no, says no, tomato. No. Where does that come from? Yeah, All right, we're from the south. It's, it's <laughs> pecan and it's caramel. All right. Well, I will respectfully disagree with you. You say caramel? I think that's my natural thing. I uh, yeah. I don't I mean, care, but a lot of natural things aren't the right thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't care about. <laughs> First said, Jesus, Boo. What a terrible <laughs> yeah. Boo. Oh my god, that was bad. Alright. He did spend a lot of time at Bold City. <laughs> Let's get into the wee heavy double scotch ale. 8.1%. This is a strong beer. Oh, yes. <laughs> As it sprays all over the room. That made it they wanted to make an entrance. It sure did. <laughs> And an entrance it did make. Alright, let's get into this. And this can be found at uh, Bold City Downtown. Again, they have Calfred Chop House food available um, over there. So get your favorite beers. Get some awesome food. That's on the list for One for, the, for the old lady and me to go, Calford? go out for dinner. Yeah, See, so I'm gonna have to swing by there and my fancy and try it. Like, is I went to, to like, Calford one day. It was good. We go to Five Guys instead of like McDonald's. Oh, oh our, wow, really good. That's great. Yeah. Maybe use a gift card to go to Chili's, get some all you can eat, <laughs> you know, chips and salsa. How about M Shack instead of Five Guys? Can you do that for me one day? Well, there's not a an local. M Shack. There's not an M Shack near me. Look at the color on that. God, it's a Dark, nice amber. It's got a nice caramel color. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yep. Yep. That's delicious. That's good. I don't think I've ever had a Scotch ale. No, me either. Certainly not I, a I, double I, Scotch ale. <laughs> I'm. I'm. Goose. I'm still getting used to drinking darker beers. Yeah. So it's every time I uh, there's a new dark beer I haven't tried I'm like a little intimidated and I'm like oh god oh no this one's gonna beat me a, it's, it's I think for good. a beer that's eight point one percent alcohol it tastes it pretty taste, mellow yeah it, it's very it's good. smooth yeah I it like uh, it. it tastes well the the first taste is a little bit strong and then it gets it finishes a lot cleaner or like less harsh than it starts with I think yeah I would agree with that. Whereas a lot of like uh, barrel aged whiskey stuff, 
like yeah, they're really the whole thing is throughout. It kind of yeah. stings at first, but then it like it almost it. That's where like the caramel comes in. It's pretty yeah, good. The caramel really does caramel. come in. Huh? <laughs> come on, Scott. <laughs> choose a side. I will not choose between mom and dad. Okay, choose. <laughs> so you guys work out your differences. I'm really enjoying our pop top beer here today. Thanks to Bold City Brewery as always. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com. If you want to try our pop top beer, check them out on East Bay Street. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Thank you to Kevin and Brad, my two main homies over there. One day I'll get the jumbo shrimp beer. One day. We had it last week. I'm pretty sure. He keeps dodging it. I actually accidentally. He he finished it. I tapped the keg on accident today. So, yeah. Now let's get into, like I said, the logistics of the Mercedes Lewis and the Alan Hearns cuts. Both guys came out and were pretty pissed about the way it all went down. They're like, why didn't you guys just trade me or cut me earlier? I'll tell you why. If the Jaguars let either of these two guys go prior to free agency and were not able to land the guys that they wanted to land like they did, the team's screwed. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, well, you got to think about the players. Think about the team. You're a Jaguar fan. Yeah. If the Jaguars cut Mercedes Lewis and Alan Hearns before and free agency and it. aren't able to get Dante Moncrief or aren't mm-hmm. able to re-sign Marquise Lee or aren't able to get Austin Safarian Jenkins... You are livid and pissed off at the front office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then they made business nobody. decisions. They did what they had to do. I mean, I think it would have been preposterous for them to do this before finding the replacements. I agree. I agree on. I agree on Mercedes Lewis with that fact. Alan Hearns to me looked like just cut and dry. We all I thought agree. it was going to happen. I, I was. I was talking about it like it was already set in stone. I, I think mean, almost everyone was yeah. that covers the team. He was asked to restructure his deal. So he knew kind of what the vibe was. I think even as early as the, as the combine. Uh, he he does he absolutely has no obligations to redo his deal, but he could have if he wanted to stay here. It all depends on what he values himself as. Right. So He's going to find a place. I mean, he's already visiting multiple teams. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I just... I do think both players could have potentially made more money had they been free agents when free agency started. And... And that's what fans see, I think, that are like, oh, we really did those guys wrong. Absolutely. And when you when you look and you get more details, like, Mercedes Lewis was potentially going to hold out mm-hmm. because he was upset that Austin Severian Jenkins was making more than him. Mm-hmm you got to kind of take that into account as well. So I, I absolutely, and I will fight with anyone to say this, I think that Mercedes Lewis absolutely was in the plans, but the way the chips and dominoes fell, it, the plans changed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the timing of it, you can't really ever pick a right time because you cannot cut Mercedes Lewis and be and go into next year with, Ben Koyak as your number one tight end, O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, it it you it, it was. They would have been number. taking an unnecessary risk yeah. by cutting either player prior to free. At the they would be taking a, a a risk at the benefit of the player. Yeah, and they're they're not in business to make the players 
feel good and be happy and anything like that. No, they're trying to put together the best football team they possibly can. And 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 I do, Hunter. We we talked about this how it's become kind of more of a cold-hearted business decision yeah. run <clears throat> league. And I do think that's getting the more money that goes into it, the more that's going to be. Oh, I agree with that. I think I think that having. I mean, okay, they're not completely cold. Look what look what happened with Dante Fowler. He didn't. Yeah. His rookie year, he tore his ACL before contract negotiations were done. Yeah. And he they fully guaranteed the contract. Yeah. So I mean, it's there's 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 a lot of give and take. But when you're minutes, I think nine minutes away from going to the Super Bowl, I mean, there's some there's going to be some cutthroat stuff that's going to happen to try and win. Yeah, because if you don't, somebody else will. Right, and I just think of it as amazing business. Yeah, like this is a team that is firing on all cylinders in the front office right now. Yeah, that's where I see it. I I hate to see these guys like get screwed over, but I would rather see them get screwed over than the Jaguars get screwed over. And to be yeah. blunt, and not everyone like say. There was nobody that left this team that moving forward was really viewed as essential. Maybe Robinson. Alan Robinson would have been the only person. But that's some people that's, might that's have an, said Colvin. That's an if Colvin. Yeah, those two you can argue, but look at the core. They weren't in the top five. No. No. So not even close. To, to stay Had relevant. Robinson been healthy in 2017, that could have been a different conversation, but yeah. it wasn't. To stay relevant, you've got to be able to make tough decisions <clears throat> and get a little bit lucky. Yeah. And these are decisions where no, not everyone could make, but they're saying we are up to $22 million. We have a lot of money that's going to be dished out next year. They're opening themselves to, in the middle of the year, instead of having $5 million and not being able to make a move that they want to make to get themselves over the hump or to replace mm-hmm. a position of need, like the Marcel Darius trade, right? they have $22 million in cash that they can either roll over or invest more into this year beyond free agency. Right. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. So we are where we are now. Andrew Norwell is a Jaguar. Dante Moncrief's a Jaguar. Safety, Cody Davis. DB, Don, Don Carey. Um... Tight end Niles Paul, tight end Austin Marion Jenkins. Got all these guys. Allen Robinson's gone. Aaron Colvin's gone. Allen Hearns is gone. Mark, or excuse me. Mercedes Lewis is gone. That's where we're at. What's next? What do you guys see the, um, the restructuring of Telvin Smith, the release of Allen Hearns and Mercedes Lewis? leading to something imminent or is this more of just and obviously we don't know what's going on inside the inside the meeting rooms but like is this leading to something that's going to happen soon or is it just a play where it's like let's have some more flexibility so if we do see an opportunity we can take advantage of it i I don't think they're doing anything free agent wise this year i think they're done with that um i think it, a lot of it has to be looking ahead and realizing what they got right around the corner. Yeah. Um, Which is like we said, Unique Ngakwe, yeah. Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Dante Fowler. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if if one of, or two of those guys get signed to something. 
um, down the road, maybe in the middle of the year, right before the year, something like that. But I, I think at this point, it's you're going to go draft. I think it would not surprise me if they trade some picks, possibly a player to get some picks mm-hmm. and try to move up and try and get the best guys you can get to turn this team. I just like, don't think they need to at all. I think there is so I, much talent and depth in this draft class. I just don't see the need to do it. Well, I, I, agree, I can understand if they just value this one player way me, higher than anyone else. I'm not saying necessarily trade up in the first round, though. Even trading back into the first or trading yeah. for another second round pick. Because I think if you can leave this draft with a, a good tight end, uh, maybe uh, probably got get a quarterback, have to get a quarterback at this point, and maybe some offensive line help slash receiver, maybe another linebacker. Like Okay, yeah. Quarterback's something we haven't brought up yet. There's one quarterback on the Jaguars roster. Are they just drafting one, or are they drafting one and signing one and seeing what happens there in training camp? I don't know who you'd sign. They haven't has it had any visits. I don't. We've heard there's of, nobody you know. out there that you can sign on. They're going. They're they. They are drafting a quarterback. I I think everyone would agree they're going to draft one. They're not drafting in the first round. I might not agree with you on that one. I don't know who you draft. Somebody the proposed the idea today that they could trade up for Josh Allen. I don't like that. It wasn't just like a random person. It was a. Uh, no. It was a reporter from somewhere. I it can't was remember who giving it was. up next year's first as well. Yeah, mm, I nah. think <laughs> no. Um, I think the quarterback draft is deep enough at some points that you can wait till the second, third, whatever, if you have to. Um, but then you're—I mean—you're getting the scraps. You're getting a guy who you hope can be. But I don't a solid know if you basket. necessarily are getting the scraps, like. I don't know. The way quarterbacks are flying off the boards, if they the, the if, odds are would be very much. I mean, if they fly off the them. boards, maybe. But like, I mean, a, it seems like four are going to go in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I just don't know. I really don't know, and I think that's why it's hard to make any guesses because we have maybe no they just want that flexibility, like I suggested, like yeah. the, just the ability to if we like this guy, we can do what we want to do. Um, Let's go ahead and just talk about, like, for us personally, if we're running the Jaguars, what are we, what are our goals in the draft? What are our goals in the first round? Like, I'll go ahead and start. Give y'all some time to think. I have four guys I want in the first round. We only have one pick. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, this isn't just, You can't change shit. the rules. <laughs> no, and when I say four guys, I'm saying at 29, yeah. there's four guys that I think would be an absolute home run. Cortland Sutton, SMU yeah. wide receiver. I've I was originally on the James Washington bandwagon more than Cortland Sutton. I've changed my mind a bit. I've been really working on trying to figure out what I think Cortland Sutton will be. And my best comparison, and people might call it crazy, is T.O. He is more athletic than everyone thought. He ran a 4-5. Yeah, that was... He ran a good time. 6'3", almost 220 pounds. Physical. Mm -hmm. Physical as hell. Smooth. Like, he doesn't look like a big receiver. He looks much smoother than a similar player, Allen Robinson, running. There's no question about Um... He had great three cone, amazing hands. He can throw the goal, the ball through the goalpost from the fifty yard line on his knees. 
That was just a video he put out the other day. He's like, best quarterback in the draft, question mark. And he's got the confidence. Yeah. He has wide receiver mentality. I really like him. I think he's going to be a star no matter where he goes. Um, Connor Williams, Texas. Offensive guard. Nobody likes Texas. Uh, yeah, I, know, I don't right? think anybody here in this podcast is a big fan of Texas, right, Scott? Oh, yeah. As uh, he's wearing his burnt orange polo right now. Oh, yeah, look at that. What do you know? I love him. I think he's an elite player. He might not be there. Cortland Sutton might not be there. I think one of these four guys I'm talking about will be there. And if they are, the Jaguars should pounce. That wasn't supposed to be... <laughs> <laughs> it worked out very nicely. That was very good. Puns are just awful. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> um, Will Hernandez. Most people know him. Yeah. He's been like a draft process darling. Massive offensive guard. Comparisons to Richie Incognito. I think he moves a lot better than Richie Incognito. I think he could fit in well. You add him to an offensive line. Okay. So... You add him to the Jaguars' offensive line, you're looking at Cam Robinson, left tackle, Andrew Norwell, left guard, Brandon Linder, center, Will Hernandez, right guard, and Jeremy Parnell, right tackle. Yeah, that's How does that sound? Yeah. Or Connor Phil Williams. Yeah. Either of those guys. That's just... That's awesome. And my last guy is Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to be a star. I think his athleticism is a little underrated. And I think... He might have the best hands in the draft of any player, like including wide receivers. He he ran the uh, gauntlet drill at the combine to perfection, <laughs> better than a lot of wide receivers did. I like the kid a lot, and he's from Jacksonville. So those are my four guys right now that I am targeting big time. Yeah, I we're gonna be kind of in the same line. Um, I a couple weeks back I said wide receivers are biggest hole. Kind of looking at what they. I don't think it's a huge. I don't think there is not a huge ne- not hole necessarily anymore. big a big hole, but I thought it was Breaking a position of huge need. Yeah, big hole. And, oh God. <laughs> okay. And, things are getting aggressive here on the podcast. I've got to wrap I've, things up. I've reevaluated that based on kind of what the team has done over free agency and things like that. Um, I think. I would expect offensive line, like you said, somebody who can play tackle, maybe even fill in at guard um, for this year and be able to move. A lot of people project Connor Williams to be able to do either. Maybe a bit more comfortable with at guard because of his size. But as a guy... Obviously, Isaiah Wynn, too. Oh, yeah. a guy that fits that same thing. So I I could see somebody like that fitting to potentially take over for Parnell in the next coming years. Or tight end, um, Gasecki from Penn State. We, Do we blew think everybody he's away. That high. I mean, that athleticism is ridiculous. I'm not denying it, but I don't think he has shown the tape that or natural just ability to play tight yeah. end. Yeah, and sometimes you you fall in love with the numbers and get enamored with the combine stats. But just a tight end in general, like you said, Hayden Hurst. My um, thing, too, is Hayden Hurst I project as being a, you know, balanced tight end. Yeah, and he would probably... Gisecki, you don't see that at all. It would be a bit too much of an overlap with Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, 
I would think they would try and get more of a balanced tight end. Um, we'll see. Goddard, maybe. Yeah. He's. I don't think he's really going to be as balanced as Hurst, but yeah. Still. So I mean, I, that's where I would expect to go. But I mean, looking at the team, they could really do anything. Yeah. Where are you at, Hunter? I think Gaseki Chiseki would be my number one. I really? Just, yeah. He's he's such a stud. It's just unreal what he could do and what he could like how he could change the offense in this team. Um, so I'd say he probably be my number one. Will Hernandez, really any kind of offensive line, maybe Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, throw him at guard would probably be number two ish. Um, and then it would probably go. I I like Cortland Sutton a lot. And I like Cortland Sutton because, not necessarily him, but because of who his coach was in college. Uh, coach Justin Stepp, he's at Arkansas now, is probably one of the best, if not the best, receiver coach in college right now. Maybe in the NFL and college. He's ridiculous. All right. Um, and if he's on Cortland Sutton's train, as much as he sounds to be, because I follow him on Twitter and stuff, and yeah. he's always posting about Cortland Sutton. Man, the guy, really, it, it's, it's not a joke. Like, the guy's a beast. He's a straight-up beast. And running that 4-5 really just kind of floored me a little I'd, bit. Yeah, I'd, I expected I'd, I'd expect four, mid 4 sixes. Yeah. But Especially got that. It'd be hard yeah. to not be on his train a little bit. Um, and then at that point, I think you just kind of got to follow the defense. I don't think there's really a lot of defensive strength at linebacker. There is a couple here and there. Um, I mean, the first two Rashawn guys Evans. are huge. I, I really Evans like Rashawn Evans. Board. I do like Rashawn Evans. <laughs> Rashawn Evans would be a, a ridiculous middle linebacker. Roquan Smith from Georgia Roquan is going to be gone. The guy from Virginia Tech is going to be gone. Tremaine Edmonds, I believe. Yeah. Is his name. That's why I think like a, Ro, uh, a Rashawn Evans would be there in the, the mid to late first round. If you can bring him in at middle linebacker, keep Miles Jack playing the outside, and then bring Miles Jack in like he was doing last year, that's a really athletic linebacker. I'm glad you brought that up because, like, after y'all got done talking, my last thing about the draft was like, could they go after a linebacker early? It wouldn't surprise me. They you. could. That's that's the beauty of everything that they've done is they've just basically plugged a lot of holes it's to be like, able to do anything. You know, the best one of those linebackers is not going to be on the field as much as they should be. But that's why I think you can be okay with like a Rashawn Evans because he's not necessarily a three down back he's a more athletic pause and if you can have him at middle plugging up the holes run run fits have miles jack playing sam still with the green dot on his helmet being the dude and then move miles jack in and have miles and telvin on the field on third down or nickel situations or even work for like a shaquille um shaquem griffin she's a shaquille Shaquem griffin yeah, i know it's him and his brother Somebody just projected the Jags to take him in the third round. And the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, screw it. If he's there, if he's there, yeah. I think, screw it. I think you take him. Because I, I would. It probably sounds bad a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and say, like, if you draft him, he, the fact that he's a dude getting a chance could be huge because he could far secede any. You know expectations of what he could be, but I think the fan hype around oh, it it'll be huge. Be huge. Yeah, a home homegrown you know, talent. The Jags and you already have, have Blake Bortles and AJ Boye. They've gotten so much of a following from Orlando yeah. because of that. Let's bring in another stud well, from Orlando. So would he would he slide in as a Sam linebacker? You, yeah, I think if, if, if the Jaguars think they can that he can do that. Yeah, I think that's the only yeah, way. I think he would go to the Sam. 
Um, and then you'd bump Miles Jack to the, the mic. And then on third down, you'd probably keep Miles Jack. I but would, it would give you the ability to play a lot less nickel because you got three extremely athletic. You've got a dude Griffin who Griffin could literally play nickel. Yeah. yeah. I really think he could. I mean, so, Miles Jack could probably play nickel. The only thing I'm going to go ahead and you know, bring up the elephant in the room with him is the one hand. I know people don't want to say, oh, we did in college. He did the bench. That's great. He can catch. The, the, the NFL is a different world. Like, I know he's done it, and there's been people, like an offensive lineman from Michigan just came out and said he was one of the hardest people to block. I get it. And I'm not saying he can't. But the technique and the hand yeah. fighting and the ability mm-hmm. to lock on and just... You mark, have to consider it. Yes. It has to be a consideration. Because if, he, if you do draft him, say a team takes a chance and drafts him in the second round. Like, hell, he's there. Let's take him. He's a freak athlete. And then the first week or two of training camp, he goes out and just gets mauled because he can't get his hands off somebody. Yeah. I get it. You know. I just don't think that's going to happen. No, I, I don't. He's going to be a star. I'm not saying it's going to either. But that possibility is there. Like, you have to look at it. It's the same thing as any other pre-existing injury. Mm-hmm. It, but third round. No, I agree. You, it's third worth round. it. It's, it's definitely worth it. Um, and then I would say if you get a freak corner of safety fall to you in the first round and you can't Would you take Derwin James at 29? Not that oh, I think there's any way to get there. Bump. Hell yeah. I mean, you run. If you get yeah, a, I mean, a, that's not even fair. Because, like, before the combine, some people were like, oh, he could slip to 29. There's no way. No. There's, There's no, no way. way. You if you get a, a Derwin James, the Mika Fitzpatrick, those kind of guys. Are the Mika's world. not breaking no, the top. No, I'm not saying ten. saying they are. But if you get that talent or somebody yeah. you view that yeah. high, you have to. And I think there's a lot of value, especially at the safety position, because it's one of the few positions you could relatively feel like you could upgrade. Okay. The, this isn't a position of need, but since the FSU Pro Day just happened. Josh Sweat. Just look at yeah. That guy is a I mean I'm not a, He's a freak at the defensive end position. I agree. He's I'm, not like other defensive ends. I'm he not reminds a me of Vinny Ngakwe. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm not saying they're the same player at all, but just an undervalued guy for some reason yeah. that is freak athletically and can get after the quarterback. He his man, he is just quick and violent. You know what though, like it's yeah. not a position of need, but if you draft a guy like that that could be as good as you think he could be, that leaves you the ability to possibly trade or get yeah. rid of Dante Fowler, and that's a lot of money coming off from the cap space, right. which frees up Well, not sport. now, but in the yeah, future. Exactly. Yeah. And if you can trade Dante Fowler for maybe a pick in the second or the third, like it's possible. What do you guys think Fowler's trade value is? I would, I, I wouldn't I, give him up for anything less than a second round pick right now. I think you could you got maybe ten get, sacks, including the. Ball no, I agree. You could I, maybe get a third. I don't know. I don't know, not, I don't know if somebody's giving up a second round pick. No, that's I, not enough. Somebody would have to give you like. I mean, you don't get Yannick Ngakwe in the third round every year. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's I. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. But it's also that, you're trading somebody who's going into the last year of their contract, and right, you're trying to get some value. I think the Jaguars. It's obvious the players on in that building that the Jaguars truly value, like really, really value, and he's one of those guys I think they are obsessed with. Fowler, yeah, I agree. I think for good reason. I mean, something about he's unheralded 
comparatively to some of the other guys, but like Scott and I talked about it midway through the season. Yeah. I think I think you would definitely take Enik Ngakwe over him, but I don't think it's a crazy question. I really don't. I think a lot of people do. Before, yeah, before this, I don't think it's a crazy question. Before this season, we had talked about it, and we 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 still even said Dante, even though he wasn't. He when wasn't that as guy big. gets to the ball, Dante bad Fowler, things happen. Dante Obviously, Fowler, that happens with Unique too. I mean, he leaves the league in strip sacks. Dante Fowler like, had ten sacks in half the plays that Unique was in. Yeah, there's that, and when he gets to the ball, He's, whether it's a oh, quarterback yeah. or running back, he'll or kick anyone, that thing. He don't care. Yeah, he'll literally <laughs> kick it out of your hand. No, but he is so violent yeah. bringing people to the ground. He doesn't have the strip that him, Unique and him has. on the backside of a running play, unblocked, it's like he's r- wrestling a calf. Just, yeah. <laughs> just gang tack. He just tackles him behind and just rips him and throws him to and the he ground. He regularly gets like the. The body slam type yeah. thing on the guys, like just slamming them to the ground. Well, he, that is a presence. Like he when you're playing throughout a game, yeah. and you get your ass rocked by someone yeah, like that, that. That shows up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he showed he showed last year what I think people were expecting of him towards like the second half of his that last year at Florida he, in yeah. that bowl game, like just absolute in CCU. Yeah, an absolute oh, just monster. I mean, last year, there were times where Dante Fowler was on the field, and you're like, eh, here's Dante Fowler's sack. <laughs> I mean, against Pittsburgh, or sorry, against New England, he was probably the only guy on the defensive line that really made a difference. Two sacks. Yeah, really big sacks. AFC Championship, two sacks. It, he had a sack that should have essentially almost ended the game until he got a third and... Third and 18. Yeah, but he's a freak. There's he no really question about his ability. No question about it. I think if you're the Jaguars, at this point, with what you did in free agency and what you have right now, you have to take whoever you think is the best. The yeah. guy that you think right now will make the most immediate impact. Yeah, who's going to help us get to the Super Bowl this year? Yeah. Another another thing that we're not even... We're looking at current polls. What they're probably doing, not number one, not number two, maybe the fourth or fifth, but if... On their list is if we can't sign our core guys, we need to find a cheap replacement for them. God forbid. Well, who do you count AJ the, or Jalen or unique, I, unique Jalen, Jalen Miles Miles Jack? I don't think Cam. I don't think there's. I know those well, two are younger. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any way in hell the Jaguars let Jalen Ramsey's going to be here for a while. There's no I, way they they were, they were they were gonna fight him and he, they will yeah. help franchise him until he dies. Here's my thing, like, but if you want to look at another, you know, elite corner, um, that was with a team for a while, Richard Sherman. I think the Seahawks are willing to let him go though because of the fact that he's not an elite athlete. No, Jalen Ramsey is He's one. a good athlete. Jalen Ramsey is a transcendent player. Yeah. I don't think the Jaguars can treat him the same way the Seahawks treated Richard Jalen Ramsey... They have to treat him he'll like... He'll be the highest paid court. Jalen Ramsey paid court is at a, some point. Well, by a, default. But, no, he's a one... But you can, you can only say that about one person. For a while. For a while. I mean, for a little like, while. you got to look at... It, it will happen at some point. It's yeah. weird, no doubt. It's hard not to look at who the Jaguars have right now at a couple positions... And say they are a once in a lifetime, like they're the first people at that position to be like that, or in a long time. Like Jalen Ramsey's that guy. 
No doubt. Uh, like a Miles Jack is kind of that guy. He is, he is. He's a freak. He is. Telvin Smith is kind of that guy. Like he is what Bobby Wagner is, but faster and more athletic. Yeah. And that is just unreal that you have that accumulation of once in a lifetime, you know, once in a generation kind of talent. I mean, guys don't fall off trees that can go get six strip sacks in a season either. I'm I I am not avoiding unique and Gakwe at all. <laughs> you know? But at the end of the day, and I, if he doesn't admit it, I think he's probably a little bit cocky on it. He is not a once in a lifetime talent athlete. No, he is so self motivated and driven maybe. that his he techn- he, right. okay, he won't right. be stopped. He relies on his technique. But if you were to put him against but the top pass rushers, but that's, that's a key. Though. That's a good for him. No, I do think he's really athletic, and I, he has some crazy bend and he does some crazy things. But if you put him against the best pass rushers in the league, the most athletic guys, I don't know if he necessarily... He's stacks. not Von Miller. He, I get it. And I don't even know if he's as athletic as a Dante Fowler. He's probably not, but he's but better right now. It's that that ability to find a different level where nothing will stop you. That's what makes him good. And it's, I'm it's, talking about just pure coming out of the womb, running 4-3 speed. Yeah. Like that's what that's Jalen and Miles Jack right. and that's Jordan what Smith GMs are. look for. You you can teach technique, you can't teach speed. Yeah, and you can and you can work with heart and stuff. Like yeah. there's different little intangibles that you can't teach, and we got a. I mean, there's a couple guys down there right now that have it, and it's. I mean, I think that's just on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, well, I, I, got, I think Leonard and Cam both have that too. Yeah, they're elite think, players at their position. It's Cam for sure. Cam is unreal. I just I'm telling I you I've like, never seen someone as strong as Leonard Fournette run as I, fast as Leonard. Fournette. I agree. I think I mean the fact that he broke the the fastest speed last year is absurd. But didn't he have the top two? Yeah, 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 the top two. <laughs> I mean, that's that's crazy. And the only person that outran him the season before that in college was John Ross. That's crazy. I I mean, who broke the combine record for the forty? The Jaguars have to be the youngest. Most talented, well-known name team in the league right now. Oh, they're right there. I mean, there's some talented teams. Eagles are super talented. But well, Vikings are super talented. The Eagles aren't like they're more of a blue collar. Like a bunch of those guys weren't well known. Well, I mean, going to the Super Bowl helps. Look how young they are compared to those teams, though. Oh yeah, I mean, I I think if you have like a scale, a chart, talent, age, Jaguars are at the top of it. They would have to be. There's, I mean, there, there can't be anybody else. Yeah. I'm just trying to think around the league. There ain't nobody else with Jalen Ramsey, Telvin Smith, Miles Jack, Dante Fowler, Yannick Ngakwe. Unreal. I, I mean, and don't forget Sean Gibb. I mean, there's nobody on the defense right now other than what, Calais Campbell, that's 30? Church is going to be Church 30, 30 this year. But if they, he's not already. Like, and then he was go, 29 going into the last year. But then you go back to the offense, and you got Cam Robinson's under 25. Uh, Andrew or Norwell's twenty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linder's not twenty. He's what twenty four, twenty five. He's right in there. Too, he's about yeah. the same age as Bortles. Uh, right guard AJ Can. Not the greatest in the world, but he's still under twenty five. Yeah. Parnell's not thirty. Yeah, he is. Is he? Yeah. He just turned thirty. Thirty. I think he might be thirty one or thirty two. Okay, so you got one but guy, still. and then you got to receiver. Everybody's twenty five years old or yeah. younger. Yeah. Quarterback twenty four, twenty five years old. Running back twenty two, twenty three years old. Fullback. I don't think he's. Bohannon's got to be like, what, 27, 28? Who cares? But, I mean, <laughs> that's rude. No offense. But, I mean, no one cares how old Tommy Bohannon is. No, but, I mean, you look around at this roster, people that make a difference, there's one or two guys on the team that are 30. 
three three guys that are thirty. That's Perhaps the biggest difference maker though is above thirty. What class? Close. Yeah. So I mean that's pretty impressive. But still, though. I mean he had the best season of his career last year. <laughs> yeah. He's not slowing down right no. now. So uh, gosh, the potential for this team, and that I think if you go back to what we were talking about with the front office moves, that I think they they see and they realize. If we want to win a Super Bowl and we want to bring a Lombardi Trophy back to Jacksonville, it, the time's got to be now. You've got about two to maybe three years, and they're not for going this out. this one particular window. Yeah. Not saying we won't be a contender after that, and the but with this core group, the difference from this year, from what they're doing now compared to what they were doing in like ninety eight, ninety nine, right before that collapse of the mm. the terrible, terrible uh, you know salary cap issues. Okay, and, okay, I did. I hate to interrupt you. I mentioned last week, like, is it possible that Tom Coughlin's having some of the same things repeating? <laughs> Completely resented that, that question. That was before the numbers came I out. I didn't say that he was. I just said, I think it's fair to ask the question. I think the difference... It's definitely is- fair to say, absolutely no way. There's no way we're getting into salary cap hell right now. And I think... I mean that's a different And it's hard to just because of the inflation every year. Oh. Yeah, and that's a little different from where I was going. I was just saying the fact that they're bringing in such young players. Like Andrew Norwell's only 26. Right. Madonte Moncrief's 25 You're 26. Right. Coughlin was bringing in like 30 veterans year old that were he was 30, bringing yeah. in Clay Campbell Tr- Yeah. Hardy Nickerson. <laughs> yeah. And uh I mean it was that was bad. Yeah. But and also I think a Carnell It's hard not to think and it's hard to ignore the job that Shad Khan is doing, building not only a football a football team and franchise, but a business. He is literally running this like a well-oiled machine business. Yeah. He has... Gotta Coughlin. have credit from the top down. Yeah, I mean, he's got yeah. Coughlin, who's your culture guy. He's got Dave Caldwell and... Uh, what's what's Idzik. I- Idzik. And I'm sure there's guys. a couple other guys in there that yeah. are like... They're really just they're out. more behind the scenes right. that we aren't. They're running this thing beautifully, and everybody's on the same page, and that's huge. And I don't think you see that a lot in the NFL or in pro sports, because you look around the NFL right now, and there's things that people are doing in the NFL. They're like, what the hell are they thinking? Like, look at the look at the Browns last year. The head coach and the GM were basically just fighting with each other. Right. One was trying I mean, to sign you had that with the Colts too prior with yeah. Gregson and uh, Pagano. Yeah. I mean, there, you see a lot of it. The Jaguars are lucky right now to. Have have this continuity that they have. Awesome. Maybe not lucky, but we deserve it's it. It's great that they have it. Damn it, we deserve it. <laughs> yeah. We went through enough. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think basically the conclusion of this episode, the Jaguars are set up perfectly. Yeah. Yep. The only thing they don't have definitively is a franchise quarterback, and they might not need it. I, I'm going to disagree. All right. I wouldn't say they don't have a franchise. I wouldn't say they don't have the franchise quarterback when you're thinking of the Tom Brady's and the Carson Wentz kind of thing. I think the term franchise quarterback means that. It's changed. Yeah, yeah it's, I guess. It's, but when I think about franchise quarterback, I think of somebody that you can build around, you can trust, like just your guy. Someone you can win a championship with? But it, yeah, they have that, I think. I agree. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> but I don't think they can win a championship because of. No, and that, but that's... For me, franchise quarterback is a guy who can win a championship win. because of. And I think that's where the term's kind of like... It, it really has forked. Like, yeah. It's turned into, this guy won us the games and won us the championship. I think when you think of a franchise quarterback, it's just because of if, if we have a program quarterback, or like in high school, 
that's a guy that you just know you can throw out there, and he's going to get the job done. He might not win the game, but he sure ain't going to lose the game. And he's going to do what he can to at least get you to the AFC Championship and put you in a position. You can, I think you're more successful 80% of the time, 90% of the time with that kind of guy because the Tom Brady's of the world aren't common. I mean, last year, Carson, or two years ago when Carson Wentz was a you know, rookie, he wasn't really highly doubted. People hated him. Yeah, he there was, was a lot of okay. really hated him. I I was always on Carson Wentz fanboy. Well, I, you're not everyone, Jordan. But okay, Jared Goff. Everyone was talking. Yeah, Jared, Jared Goff. Jared, I hated him. He was exactly. awesome. I still hate him. Yeah. Jared Goff was a hated I hate commodity. Him. He's an so. SOB. I just hate him. That's fine. He doesn't know when the where the sun rises <laughs> and where it sets. <laughs> That's fine. Get this guy out of here. He can win some football games. But like, look uh, at that. And then look at what happened with like a Marcus Mariota. The world was the sun literally rose and set on Mario and Jameis Winston. I Mario still think James those guys Winston. can come back. Though. That's possible. They look, but it just—it's such a year-to-year oh year basis. Like there is no, there's very few times that you find a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or something like that. I agree with you there, but I guess okay. So the most successful franchises have what I you're agree. talking about: Tom Brady, Peyton, Aaron Rodgers, those types of guys. But you're right. It's incredibly hard to get them, and you really do have to get pretty lucky to get them. I so maybe the best strategy for the Jaguars, because they don't have that, is to do what they're doing. Yeah, and I have no guarantee you're ever going to get that. I think you're better guaranteed to get the the pieces around the quarterback than you are to get the quarterback. Yeah, it's a lot easier to hit on right. those guys when you spend all your yeah. resources on getting the quarterback, yeah. and then he's not the actual savior. You're, you're hamstrung your team. Exactly. It's high risk, high reward. Where yeah. it's it's like when prospects are coming out of the draft. Oh, this guy's ceiling is way higher, um, but his floor. You know, you, you don't know. Where I like he's fall yeah, I like a guy that's got a high floor and an average ceiling. I think you can win a lot of football games with that guy. Yeah, I mean, especially when you surround him like the talent the Jaguars. Exactly. So. Yeah. so I mean, it is what it is. I think the Jaguars are set up for the future, and I think they're set up to be really good. Blake Bortles or not, like they're they're okay. It is kind of weird the fact that, I mean, would we really a couple of months ago been sitting here thinking Blake Bortles is the only quarterback on the roster? No, <laughs> they are literally giving him the keys. And I saying, mean, I think everyone can agree that we're happy Chad's gone. Yeah, you had to happy. I mean, I am. I'm just. I wanted him gone two years ago. Yeah, he doesn't do uh, anything. I mean, it, I would have rather kept Brandon out. It was a placeholder. I completely. I'm indifferent agree. at this point with Chad Henney, or really with any backup quarterback at this point. I well, mean, and that's the thing. They probably are going to be indifferent. It's a backup quarterback. When your backup goes in, you're going to have. He's the trouble. one guy you yeah. don't want to play. <laughs> if your backup in the game. quarterback yeah. goes in, you're going to have a bad. Yeah. Time. Like yeah. that's not good. Well, it could be good, I guess, if you're up by 30, 40. But I mean, yeah. who knows? Well, bring Blaine Gabbert, bring him back. No, just no. <laughs> hey, he's visiting Tennessee. Uh, just no. <laughs> That's gonna do it for the show. I had a great time today. Um, follow Scott Klein on Twitter at Scott Klein One, Hunter at Coach H underscore Evans. You can follow myself at Jordan Delugo. We've had a great show today. We really hope everyone enjoyed our ramblings. And uh, if you did enjoy it, please give us a review on iTunes Podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, check out the website, genjag.com. We just sold out of all of our Duval trucker hats. Hunter's rocking one right now. It's beautiful. Uh, there should be back in two to three weeks. 
Uh, we have plenty of other cool stuff on the website to check out. All the latest news, analysis, videos from UCF Jaguar, podcasts, obviously. Check us out, genjag.com. And um, enjoy the weekend. We're a little over a month away from the draft. It's March 21st. End of April, we're getting to the draft. So it's going to be a fun few weeks. I think we're going to have a lot of draft talk in the next couple of weeks. A lot of draft talk. We've already had a fair amount. But I think we'll get into quite a bit more in-depth analysis of some of these prospects. Appreciate y'all listening. Hope everybody has a great weekend. And, um, you know, go Jags. Talk to y'all later, Duval. Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.